Welcome to the God's Goodness Podcast, where our mission is to encourage as well as highlight God's goodness and modern day miracles. We are your hosts, Josh and Shelley Hankins. Today we have with us a special guest, and he is, I guess you could say he was instrumental in this podcast because it was conversation I had with him the day before I got this idea. And it, it was just downloaded by the Holy Spirit. But the conversation with him the day before was asking like, what am I good at? What do I like to do? And the Holy Spirit, the next morning, he was like, hey, you like to talk to people. So why don't you talk to others about me and share it with the world? So it's only fitting that I have Ian Reith with us today. And he's going to open us with a little prayer and then we'll get things going. Thank you so much, Shelley, for being here. It's really cool to see this idea come to life as well. It's really special. And I just, I pray that your listeners would be blessed. I pray that uh, God would be glorified in this conversation. That's kind of my heart for the prayer as well. Father, Heavenly Father, I just, I dedicate this time to you, Lord. May every word that is spoken only reflect your truth and your heart. If you're listening to this, mm. I pray that if you don't currently know Jesus has yet to break into your heart, I pray that you would open your ears and open your heart and still your mind and just listen because he is knocking at the door. And if you will open yourself to him, he will reveal himself to you. And that's what's so beautiful about our faith is it's a revealed faith. It is the truth revealed by the person of Christ. So I just, I thank you, Shelly. I thank you, Josh. I thank you to be a part of the God's Goodness podcast. And uh, I pray that many miracles will be revealed on this show. So thank you. Amen. 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 Thank you. So we'll let you start things off. Yeah. So I should start by saying why I'm here and why I exist. And it's truly to speak the truth in love so that all might come to discover and know the God who created them, Jesus Christ, his son, whom he sent and themselves in the process. And it's, that's kind of the through line of my life. I guess I just start by giving some background. I mean, I, you know, I said, grew up, my mom was married twice, divorced twice. I'm the oldest of three brothers. So I carry that burden and that bag of being the oldest, you know, I just always want to lead them well, always want to be an example for them to follow. But you know what, even since very young, being brought up in a Catholic-ish environment, we were kind of nominally Catholic, you know, we went to service, we attended during holidays and things like that. I went through catechism, went through some education, some classes and things, and Holy Communion was never confirmed, the irony. So it's been an interesting ride. But I remember being in my first grade classroom and the teacher was like, okay, everybody get a sheet of paper, get a pencil. We're going to write about what we're going to be when we grow up. And everybody's all excited. And I, and I hear people being celebrated for, oh, you know, Lisa's going to be a doctor and Jeremy wants to be a police officer. And I just, I was kind of just taking it all in. And I just remember thinking to myself, you know, I don't really resonate with any of the, the molds, you know, any of these, any of these kind of standard issue career paths and becoming paths and I took my sheet of paper and very matter of factly, I wrote, you know, I want to discover the truth in all things and achieve balance in my life. And I just set my pencil down. And that was a first grader. <laughs> As a first grader. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, teachers coming around and picking up our sheets of paper and reading them and celebrating. And then she comes to me and she picks it up. And with a very odd look on her face, she kind of reads it silently to herself, looks at me with a look of concern and goes, uh, oh, okay, Ian, you know, wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> and set it down and that was it. It was weird because I thought, wow, I mean, I thought that sounded pretty good, you know? And that was just speaking from the heart at that moment and it wasn't received very well. And so kind of foreshadowing because I felt misunderstood. I felt odd most of my life. I really had a hard time kind of finding my way. And I think it had a lot to do with God just kind of leading me his way. So growing up, 
there was some turbulence in the household, you could say. It was, it was kind of a tough time growing up, and there was a significant age gap between myself and my brothers. So I got a couple years of kind of undivided, you know, mom and stepdad time, and, mm-hmm. and then my biological father kind of satellited my life, you know, still he isn't very, really very involved. We don't have as well-developed a relationship as I would love to have. So prayers for that. I appreciate that. But you know what? I had a really hard time coming up through school. Didn't have many friends. Didn't really have a strong sense of purpose or community in my life. And so I was deeply depressed, deeply sad, in and out of therapy, on and off medication. I just remember from age 9 to 11, it was just a lot of turbulence in the household, things not going well. And by the time I was 13, I was pretty sure I didn't want to live anymore. I was pretty much done with life up until that point. And so, you know, nothing seemed to help. I wanted to find a way, you know, I wanted a sense of hope and I held out hope for hope, but nothing just seemed to help. Nothing seemed to work. And, and my mom will testify to this cause you know, she was there with me the whole time. And, you know, I grew up praying. I grew up saying what we say when we say it. I said the our father, you know, there's a picture of me as a little boy kind of in the pew in the Catholic church. Well, it looks great. It looks like, wow, this kid's going to grow up to be so faithful in the Lord. And I just wasn't, you know, it just, it wasn't really there. The connection wasn't there. The relationship wasn't there yet. But I remember one night, one fateful night, I discovered sincere prayer for the first time in my life. And it wasn't about head knowledge. It wasn't about saying certain words in a certain order. I just broke my heart open to God. I said, God, please, if you are real, now would be the time to show me something because I can't see tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. And I firmly believe that if I don't find a reason to live, I'm going to take myself out. And I don't want to do that because I know that ultimately it's only going to hurt those around me. And it was mm-hmm. incredibly selfish to think that way and self-centered. And um, I just knew there had to be a better way. I just didn't know what that was. So yeah, it's about 1030 at night, 13 years old. I break my heart up in the goddess of God, show me something. And immediately, like snap your finger immediately, this peace and warmth washed over me like a weighted blanket. And it just stilled me. It just, it calmed me. It was a sense of peace. And all I wanted, Shelly, Josh, was just a break in the suffering, just a moment for it to stop. And it did. I got what I had asked for, right? I was so excited. I wanted to jump out of bed and celebrate, but I quickly realized I couldn't move my body. Hmm. I was paralyzed head to toe. And before I had too much time to panic, my eyes involuntarily rolled into the back of my head and I left my body. I went somewhere. I had a vision. And I was in this white nothingness as far as the eye can see. Almost like if you're waiting at the doctor's office, but there's no ceiling tiles or check-in window. It's just blank. Mm -hmm. And as quickly as I closed my eyes and opened them again, Jesus was standing there 20 feet in front of me. And I ran to him in this rush of emotion, this, this relief and reverence and awe and a little bit of fear. I just ran and I threw my arms around him and I said, Lord, Lord, you came for me. You came for me. And... I never even spoke like that. That language just came from the depths of my soul. And I knew it was Jesus. I knew it was him. I could barely see him because he was so luminous, so radiant. And it felt like he was seven feet tall. And I was like, just this little kid. And he looked at me with compassion and he never spoke with his words, but I could hear his thoughts. And he said, I want to show you something. So he put his hand on my shoulder and just like that, we went to hell and use your imagination, guys. I saw it. Okay. It was like, this clearly finite, but very vast pit. The sky was black. It was void. It was like nothingness. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, it was like being in Mount Doom. I mean, it was horrific. It was awful. The landscape was just like Yellowstone volcano meets 
the Sahara Desert meets the Grand Canyon. Hmm. And I'm seeing these rows and rows and rows of jail cells, but really they were like torture chambers because inside of these jail cells were people, souls, like you and I, naked and ashamed, being tortured endlessly by demons. I was watching these creatures, all shapes and sizes, walking around. The heat is so intense that it feels like you could just melt, but it didn't. I was trying to breathe. My lungs collapsed. There was no air. I was trying to cry. There was no tears. There was no moisture. The smell was so putrid. I could vomit, but nothing came up. I noticed outside of these torture chambers, there was a plaque for everyone. And on the plaque was inscription. It was writing. I couldn't see it. It was almost too far away. I learned over a decade later that Jesus's last words on the cross were, it is finished, right? In Greek, it's tetelestai is the word, which means paid in full, almost like you pay someone's debt, pay off their note, pay off their home, right? You get that note in the mail. It says you own it, right? It's paid for. And it hit me, those plaques listed the sins that were never paid for by the blood of Christ. And I saw the lake of fire and I saw souls being tossed into the lake of fire like animals, just burning, but never consumed. I saw the throne of hell behind the lake of fire. I saw Satan on the throne and it was like the moment that I saw him, he saw me and it was like somebody grabbed me and pulled me right up into his face. And I watched this crooked grin creep across his face. Cause in that moment I was in his world, you know? And he was winning down here and he was winning on the surface too. And I was probably there for like 20 seconds. Realistically, it felt like two hours. I begged God, please, please get me out of here. Right? So I find myself on all fours next to Jesus again, gasping for air. He places his hand on my shoulder. And just like that, we went to heaven, polar opposite experience. I'm floating there. And there's this central source of light that is just emanating and penetrating everything. There is this beautiful, harmonious music and singing. So wonderful. It's almost like the molecules were dancing along with it in the air. There was this deep sense of peace and love and warmth. Imagine like the most intimate moment of your life, the most connected, most sacred moment of your life and magnify it by a thousand. That was every passing millisecond in heaven. It's like getting a hug from God. He never lets go. And I am looking at it and I'm taking it all in and it's it, heaven resembled earth. It was very much like earth. There was buildings and there was greenery and there were people and it's just, it's somehow here and yet not here. It's somehow, it's like a different dimension. It's hard to put into words. I'm doing the best I can. But I asked God, I said, God, can I stay here? And he said, no. I said, so I have to go back. And he said, yes. And I thought, oh, so before I realized that we were back in the white nothingness and I resent the fact that I was in hell twice as long as I was in heaven, but I didn't need very much. But I'm sitting there and the, and the whole scene is starting to recede from whence it came and the whites were turning to gray and then charcoal and then black, but Jesus was clearly silhouetted and he, he extends his arms on both sides, almost like he's on the cross. And I see a snapshot into heaven and a snapshot of hell on either side of him. And I feel myself start to come back into my body and my whole body's vibrating and I can't quite open my eyes yet, but I can, I can feel the texture of, of my comforter of my fingers. And, and I can, I could feel that I'm in my body. It's almost like somebody held a gong by my head and just hit it as hard as they could. And the words you choose just rang throughout my whole body. So you can imagine being a 13 year old kid, just having had this experience, I shot up in bed and I did what any rational person would do. 
I started to explain away everything that just happened. Oh, Ian, it's just a dream. Relax, calm down. The doctor said this might happen. Maybe this is what they call a psychotic break. You know, maybe it was the medications, you know, calm down, come back to reality, right? I'm feeling my sheets. I'm trying to get grounded in where I am. And as much as I could calm myself, I couldn't help but notice the time. It was still 10.30 PM, hmm. which is when I started to have this experience. So I thought that was very disorienting, very odd. You know, I start to get this sick feeling in my stomach, like what's going on? I hear the garage door. My mom's coming up. And my mom's a nurse. She's been a nurse. She always reminds me I've been a nurse longer than you've been alive. It's always going to be true because <laughs> she's still a nurse. And the mom's coming home. I notice a little bit early. I thought, hmm, mom's usually not up until 11, 11.30. What's going on? I hear her running through the house, running through the hall. And she kicks the door in. And the wood still split from where she kicked it in. And she said, Ian, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm thinking, you know, mom, you were with me in the therapist's office. What are you talking about? Right? You know, I'm not well, but what do you mean? And she said, I was at work, I was watching over a woman in a coma. This woman came out of her coma. She grabbed my arm with both hands, looked me in the eyes and said, I'm praying for your son. And then she went back under. Hmm. And for the first time in my life, I heard the still small voice speak. And he said, See, I knew you would doubt, so I put an insurance policy in place so that you wouldn't. And I was done. I was cooked. I mean, it was like Charlie Brown. You know, the volume came way down. My ears are ringing. My mom's getting bigger and more frantic, and I can see her mouthing the words, did someone hurt you? Is it drugs? What's going on? And, you know, like any concerned mom, any concerned parent. And I just was dumbfounded. My jaw just hung open there. And the rest of that's kind of a blur. But fast forward to 17. Uh, a girl I happen to be dating is a Christian, non-denominational church, kind of brings me into the fold, I end up being baptized in a small community church in Bethel Park. And you know what? I remember her telling me about her experience of being baptized. She's like, oh, Ian, it was so great. It was like, it was like being in heaven, even just for a moment. And I thought, oh, if I could just go home, even for a moment, I'll do anything, you know, whatever it takes, right? So my experience of being baptized was like being drafted for war. Pastor dunked me in the water, brought me up, completely disoriented, completely just out of my mind. He's like, Ian, are you, are you all right? Are you okay? There's that question again. Are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. This is something. And, um, and it's been a battle ever since. Ever since that experience when I was 13, almost every day, maybe not quite every day, it's like I've had a target on my back, spiritually speaking. You know, I was haunted and tormented by demons for years. In my waking experience, I'd be walking around and I could just see them. They'd be in my dreams. They'd be in my room at night. They would just find any way to kind of distract me, derail me, scare me. You know, on my 30th birthday, I had a dream, again, kind of a demonic presence. And this demon kind of unfolds this scroll. And listed on the scroll is every way that I'm going to be tortured in my lifetime because of what I've seen, because of what I've been blessed with, in a sense. And... I'm like, you know, I'm not buying it. You know, I think this is just a tool for fear, you know, to try to work its way into my mind. And, and I do my best to bring that to the Lord and just let him deal with that. But, you know, it's been a wild ride. It's been a very interesting journey. And a lot of the things I've been wrestling with lately is kind of what has God called me to do exactly. And what's interesting is, again, post-vision experience, I was blessed with wisdom about life that I couldn't have known otherwise. I was blessed with knowledge about people that I had no access to. 
I can't tell you how many times someone would say to me, how do you know that about me? Or how could you tell that? Or the opposite. Somebody would bring a concern to me. Hey, Ian, I'm struggling with this. Almost as if I had, assuming that I had the answer to their problem. Or, Ian, you know, I really need to tell you something. I need to confide in you something. Or another one is, you know, I've never told anybody this, but, and then, you know, I, I, I know things that people's spouses don't know about them. I know things that nobody knows about them. And it's just, I've tried to, to the best of my ability to steward that with a sense of trust, a sense of integrity, a sense of love and compassion, because what I get is that God has me guiding people. I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And please chime in anytime. Yeah. When I reflect on the work I do now, it's really about helping people discover their purpose in life, their identity in God, in Christ, you know, who they were created to be, why they're here. Because I think if you know that, you know, many great philosophers and many great theologians will say, you know, discovering your, your purpose is essential to your success because the fulfillment of your purpose is success in this lifetime and in the next, right? It's if you know why you're here and you live in alignment with that, you cannot help but to prosper. You cannot help but to serve others. You cannot help but to be a blessing to others. And one of my mentors says that he quotes Abraham Lincoln. He says, Abraham Lincoln once said, and if you, he said, I'll prepare myself and perhaps my time will come. And my mentor said, well, I say, I'm going to prepare myself so that when my time comes, it will either reveal me or it will expose me. I say that if you prepare yourself, one day you will be a blessing. You can make of yourself a blessing to others, whether your time comes or not, whether you think it did or not, because that's kind of the essence of the responsibility, the stewardship and the power that we have as followers of Christ, you know, that you can make an impact. You will make a difference. The question is how big of a difference do you want to make? How far do you want to go? How hard do you want to hit? How big do you want to be? As long as he's getting the glory, as long as he's honored every step of the way, you can't help but to be successful. And so that's kind of at the heart of what I'm up to these days. One of the things I've learned through doing this podcast and building my relationship with others at the church is God wants us to have that relationship with others mm. because then our connections can lead us to you know, the resources that we'll need or the support that can get us through what we're going through. And, you know, he'll use your test and turn it into a testimony, your mess into a message. And it's just, you know, just great because you don't, it doesn't have to be something big to help somebody just being there for a conversation, letting them speak to you. It might be just exactly what they need, that relationship. Yeah, I agree. We are definitely built for relationship. You know, God created us for a relationship with him. And then he tells us to love each other as we love ourselves. So clearly that relationship extends to each and every one of us. And so I firmly believe that each other is one of God's greatest gifts that he's given us, not just himself, not just Jesus, not just the Holy Spirit, but each one of us as well is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. And we need to really learn on how to harness that gift to its fullest. You know, in Acts, we see what it looked like when they had good relationship skills when they broke bread together, when they prayed together, when they were of one mind. It didn't mean they all agreed that the color taupe was the color they wanted for their rug, right? It didn't mean they all agreed that, hey, I like sunny days and I like rainy days. None of that really mattered. It was, they were all in agreement on the Lord. And that's the unity that we need to find in our relationships with each other as well. Mm. Well said, Josh. Thank you.
So also interesting, you know, your, your account of when Jesus pulled you from your relaxing, like he gave you this calm and then he, he shows you himself. And the first thing he does is he takes you to a place that you would never want to be. And, <laughs> and he, he reminds me of that book, 23 Minutes in Hell. Have, have you heard of that? Oh, I've heard of it. Forget who the author is. So you forgive Weiss. me, but thank you. Bill yes, Weiss. that is it. Absolutely. And it's oddly reminiscent of, of that experience. And you know, if you ever watch life after death shows and such, there are many people that account similar tales. Mm-hmm. And though it makes me wonder though, why Jesus would be so loving and then take you to a place that's such a horrible place that he knows you're suffering just by witnessing, not that you're suffering there personally, but just by seeing it, smelling it, feeling it, right? That, that this is some place that he clearly knows you don't want to be and it's a harmful place that he must love you so much to show you such a thing to help kind of gear you in the right direction, right? So, because when you woke up, you're trying to dismiss it. We all do this, right? Jesus said so in the, in the word that we'll explain it away when he's talking about Lazarus going down in hell and, and hey, tell my brother not to do it. Nah, he's not going to believe it. No one's going to believe it, hmm. right? And so, he basically explains that people will find a way to explain away some of our experiences. And I love that your mom rushed home because she also had an experience and that upon sharing it with you, you gained this knowledge that, hey, this is the real deal, mm-hmm. right? This is the path. This is the choice. There is a choice. And, you know, like it or not, death consummates that choice. As soon as we die, there's no more choices to be made. The last choice you made was the last choice that's ever going to be for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a powerful way to discover the love of Jesus. And you were also even talking about how you didn't spend as much time in heaven as you did in hell. And, <laughs> and I think maybe you did. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe he gave you more time because, yeah. you know, in that good times we there, forget but... like with the times we, we lose track of it. But when we're in a bad moment, we hold on to that time like tick by tick by tick. And I think if he was to show you that, that that was on purpose as well. So that, you know, if you're going to the one place, it's going to seem like it's forever longer than forever. Right. And whereas you go to the other place, forever is going to pass by quick. At the same time, never go away. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty profound way to, to, at least that's how I interpret it, because it's how my brain works. But when he put, when he shows it to you that way, it seems like the choice is obvious, which you would want to take. Like, who would want to decide, oh, I want to go to hell or, you know, be away from Jesus, like forever. Mm. No one wants that. So a couple things I want to speak to what both of you just shared. So. Josh, yeah, it's interesting because I didn't tell a soul about that experience, including my own mother, for four years. And then after that four years, I realized, okay, I was willing to tell my mom about this. Maybe I'll tell my girlfriend about this. Maybe I'll tell other people about this. And it wasn't until I turned 28 that I actually went public with it and started sharing my testimony hmm. publicly. So part of what I got about the experiences. Because initially I thought, yeah, right. I was thinking just along the lines of what Shelley said. It's like, who would, who would choose otherwise? Right. Mm -hmm. But that's just it. That's the whole thing. That's where it's, where it started with me was, this is about my choice. My choice was already made. Scripture tells me that that moment that I broke my heart up into God, that moment that I invited God into my life, I confessed with my mouth that I believed, I believed in my heart because Jesus convicted my heart and you know, our conversion follows our conviction. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's in business as well as in our spiritual life, as well as in our relationships, right? It's, we often have to be shown and we have to often have to experience the consequence, the, the perceived loss, the perceived death, real or actual, 
before we will give our attention to what is critical, mm-hmm. what is a priori most important. And sometimes in the wake of tragedy, sometimes in the wake of you know our hardest times, we're closest to God in that time. And we also prioritize our lives accordingly to what's most important, first him and then everything after him, right? And so speaking on suffering and pain, our purpose is linked to that. And I believe comes from that. Like earlier you said, test becomes our testimony, right? My buddy reminds me of that all the time. But you know what? Suffering, like the Buddhists say, well, life is suffering. So get used to it. Or or maybe that's the Stoics. I don't know. And there's an essence, there's a nugget of truth in there to a degree. But when the light of Christ shines in our hurt spots, in our moments of suffering, in our moments of excruciating pain, he transforms that into a reason. That day, you know, God gave me a reason for being. He said so much in so few words, just by his presence. He said, I love you. I love you enough to be here to save you. I love you enough to put you back on your feet and send you out. I love you enough to say that I'll always be with you. I'll never forsake you. God was pursuing me my whole life up to that point. I just wasn't conscious of it. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about choice, who would choose such a thing? Who would choose not heaven? Who would choose not Christ? No sane person rejects Christ. The person, the teaching, the philosophy, the religion, the relationship. No sane person does that. Only an unconsciously insane person would do that because they're holding on to the wound. They're identifying you know, with their moment that was supposed to refine them, not define them. We all have those moments, right? But Christ's presence and the love of Jesus transforms those things and makes them redeeming, makes them beneficial, turns that into a gift. Mm-hmm. And there's no better example than Christ and the work he did on the cross. You know, his passion wasn't just what he was excited about. Oh, I'm so excited to do the work my father sent me to do. It was also the extent that he was willing to go, the pain that he was willing to endure, the sacrifice he was willing to make that made that work possible. I find that very convicting, very interesting. And Carl Jung, I studied psychology and behavioral science for about eight years. And Carl Jung once said that until the unconscious is made conscious in your life, it will control your life, your life and you will call it fate. And so to make a conscious choice requires that our mind needs to be opened up. Our mind needs to be illuminated by the truth. Because if I don't have the light in me, truth will never be revealed to me. If I don't understand the agency, the responsibility I have to be a good steward of the choices I make, the decisions that follow and the actions that take place after that, I will always be a slave. I will always be a slave to sin. I'll be a slave to darkness. I'll be a slave to ignorance. I'll be a slave to disempowerment. I'll be a slave to addiction. I'll be a slave to whatever the source of my addiction is, whatever hurt and whatever pain that comes from. Yeah, you know, I like to say we're not broken people that need fixing. We're hurt people that need healing. And so until that wound is healed, that pattern will continue until our mind is filled with the light and the truth and the love of Christ. We won't be able to consciously choose for ourselves to make the the best choice that we have available. That's good. So tell us, we're going to, you mentioned earlier that you were going to do something with all of this information, Mm. such as. Yes. So, (laughs) right, right. So first of the year, this year, the Lord woke me up. 
out of sleep and I could hear audibly in the room as if he's hanging out with me. He goes, Ant, wake up. I'm like, what is it, Lord? You know, what's going on? It's like, I want you to write a book. I'm like, a book? Me? Why? You know, for what? And he said, I want you to tell your story. I'm like, my story. I'm like, okay. I mean, who would read that? Right. I just, cause I don't, you know, I don't think it's like so special. I don't know. It seems, seems unnormal. It's just my life. It's just, you know, we all have one. We all have a story, right? That's how I, that's how I see it. And he goes, no, people will read your story and they'll read themselves into your story. And I thought, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on a book. It's called getting to know God. And it's based on this, this idea that we are created for relationship. You know, Josh hinted at that earlier and went right for that. I mean, really, truly, that's the gift that God gives us in himself, with himself, but also with each other. So that, that book is going to unpack, you know, kind of how I came to know God. It wasn't just like I woke up one day and like, I've got this thriving relationship with the Lord and I'm reading scripture all the time and I'm praising him and I'm worshiping and I'm being in community. It's like that happened gradually over time. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to kind of document that story, but also to get that story in the hands of people who want a set of footsteps to follow so that they can see that, you know, these kind of supernatural, extraordinary things happen to very ordinary people every single day. Mm-hmm. And people have often said to me, oh my gosh, I wish I could have had experience like yours. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you came to faith without seeing. I had to see to believe, right? Because mm. at any point, my heart could have been convicted. At any moment, I could have opened my eyes and seen and perceived and not just observed, mm-hmm. right? At any moment, you know, God could have broken into my life if I was willing to let him in. But it was almost like I had to stop being God for myself to make way for God to come into my life. That's, uh, that's very important. You mentioned the same issue that Didymus had, doubting Thomas. He believes because he saw Blessed be those who believe without seeing. And, you know, I think, honestly, you keyed up on it before about having experience with Jesus, right? You need to have an experience before you you really get fully locked in with him, that you can go to church, that you can be on the ministry team, you can be a greeter, you can be in the pews every Sunday, you can have your Bible open every day, and you can seek and knock all day long. But until you have that, that experience with Jesus, it's really hard to have that conscious belief, right? You may unconsciously believe and you may be saved because you believe and you do, you want to believe and you want a relationship with him. However, things are transformed in your life once you have that experience with Jesus. And I don't know if everyone knows that that's the requirement. I don't know if everyone has an experience that is a believer or if they are consciously aware that they had that experience. But I do know that he will be faithful to give every single person an experience with him. And sometimes it takes more than one shot because we're, we're not real bright. Um, <laughs> we're, you know, we're comparing ourselves to God and, and he knows exactly how to speak to us, but we can be very stubborn. He's made us very stubborn people. All of creation, we're the only thing that can tell him no. Mm. Nothing else can tell him no. But he, he allows us the opportunity to come to him on our own which is mind blowing. And then when we realize that we can't come to him on our own, he chooses us. Right? Hey, I chose you. Don't worry about it. I loved you before you could love me. I loved you first. Right. And we still struggle. So he says, I'm going to give you a little message. I didn't get it. I'm dense. I'm going to give you another little message and another little message. And then 20 years down the line, you find that you've been rejecting him for 20 years. 
before you finally get a message that hits home. Mm-hmm. And his timing is always perfect. So it's not that you rejected him to the point. He, he could have knocked you out of your socks the moment you were born, but he chooses not to because he's a loving father. And he wants you to have the experiences that he's leading you through in those moments to the point where you finally see, believe, and give with your whole heart that at that moment, you have the tools necessary for this part of your life because you would not have had it if you would have had that experience or realized you had that experience 10 years before. You aren't the same person. You didn't have the same trials. You didn't have the same tribulation. You didn't have the same testing, right? We look at the refiner's fire, right? In mm-hmm. Malachi 3.3. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's where it is. Yeah. And the silversmith is is working the silver. He has to watch it the whole time to burn off the the, the bad stuff and schluff off the, the slurry, right? Mm-hmm. And And... He has to watch it continually because he can he can overdo it and ruin it. And he knows it's done when he can see his reflection in it. Mm. And that's, I think, what a lot of people don't understand because not a lot of us are silversmiths. As, is, that's a perfect story that God has given us in that story. And so, yeah, we go through the, we're in the fire and there's a lot of crap that comes up to the surface that needs to get taken off. And he's attentive and he'll do it. And sometimes we get impatient and we're like, no, I need you to do it now. But he can ruin the process if he does. But eventually we're ready and we're out of this refiner's fire when he can see himself in the silver and where we need to be, which is not where we started, not in the middle, but right at the point where we need to be. And we always think that, hey, what kind of a better husband would I be? What kind of better father would I have been? What kind of better brother? What kind of better son would I have been if I had had these tenants earlier? If I would had this belief, this conviction sooner? And Mm -hmm. he's like, don't worry about that. You have it when you need it. And I think that's something we need to hold on to is you have it when you need it. And it isn't for everybody. The direct communication that he gives us audibly saying, hey, wake up. I got a story for you. Get up. And you go, hey, what's up? Right. Not everybody experiences that. Mm-hmm. Right. Praise God that you do. And I don't want to discourage anybody thinking like, well, I haven't heard God, you know, audibly in my living room, but I bet you've heard him. I bet you've heard him in someone else's lips. I bet you've heard him by reading something. I bet you heard him in a passing movie because he gave you a message in a movie that was playing somewhere else that was exactly the phrase that you need to hear, right? He's always talking to us. And you mentioned that still small voice Mm -hmm. after your mom gave you that revelation from the, the woman in a coma. And sometimes it's that. And that's a really hard one to hear if you're not tuned into him. Especially in this busy world. Oh my. And that's another reason I want to plug fasting. Right. Fasting is a wonderful tool for helping to diminish the strength of your flesh, which is at war with your spirit so that your spirit can receive from God more effectively Mm. Uh, or so you can receive from the spirit because they're always talking. Yeah. There's nothing you can do to slow the spirit down from talking to the father, but so that you can receive from the spirit who's in tune with the father. Yes. So that you are better off in this warfare that we're in. Mm. I I know I've experienced it. Amen. And you know what? And we we do need... And I think we all consciously or not, we crave that experience. We crave that intimacy. I think that there comes a time when you, you your heart's convicted and you, you come to belief and you believe, or you have a really, really strong thought about your faith that becomes true for you. Right. And then there, you reach a point where, you know, there's this intimate knowledge in your heart, in your, the depths of your soul, you know, on your worst day, when the chips are down. You still can stake your whole life on this. I believe this kind of knowing, you know, and I think that God is always reaching out to us through the people that we meet, the books we read, the music we hear, 
the media that we consume. I mean, in between the lines, in the lines, in and around those relationships and those conversations, he's always speaking to us. I've had revelations come through other people from God, right? That hit me in a particular moment in my life. Actually, more often than not, they came from people who didn't know him, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. He'll use anybody. Everybody. And one thing I've noticed through these podcasts is when people were ready and said, all right, God, reveal yourself. He did. He showed up. <laughs> and it's different for everybody. It's just what they need, you know. And a lot of people, another theme I've noticed is a lot of us didn't have a lot of friends growing up, a lot of connections until we were seeking and asking the Lord, like, hey, I could use a little, you know, friendship here. You know, it's getting a little lonely. And then God shows up and uh, with the people he surrounds us with and puts in our lives. And he's just willing if we just ask. And you have not because you ask not. So just ask. Ask and you shall receive. That's my favorite verse of my lifetime. So. And you've been living that out. This year, Matthew 7, 7, 8. Mm-hmm. Yep. Critical. Yes. Critical. I'm finding what I'm needing. Yeah, it's not me at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% just content. And I drag him along for the I'm ride. Not, I know like, I'm not. What? I'm not craving <laughs> extra things to do. I'm not. I'm not seeking self improvement. I'm so content with who I am. I'm mm-hmm. so content with where I am. I'm. I'm just content, and I know that comes from him. And mm-hmm. I'm. I'm full of joy in places where I shouldn't be. I work EMS, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a partner. It's my my permanent partner, a paramedic. I work with, and three o'clock in the morning and we're in a hospital and he's getting a report from a nurse and I'm making jokes and they're dad jokes. You know, they're, they're not, <laughs> they're not quality jokes, right? But they make me laugh and that's all I care about. And he just groans. He'll shake his head and groan. And, and he's like a six foot one bald guy with a beard. He's like a Viking, right? He's he works out and like, he's just a massive human being. And I love making jokes to him because it just makes my night. Sometimes I get him to smirk and he won't admit it. But uh, you'll get nurses commenting on how happy I am. I was a local police officer that, that describes me as the happy guy with glasses. And she's only ever seen me in the middle of the night. And uh, everybody at work knows who it is when they describe me. Mm-hmm. Everybody. You know, I think of uh, Barnabas, the, the son of encouragement, I think is, his name means, right? You strike me as a Barnabas, like the Lord has blessed you with such peace and contentment in whatever scenario situation you happen to be in. And you have to be in that state to encourage others. So I think it's probably oh, one of yeah. the blessings that you impart to your, your coworkers and passerbys and connections. That's really cool. I was given a prophetic word. Oh man, a decade ago at my church, two churches ago. And it was uh, peace mm-hmm. that, that I would be a bringer of peace. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I didn't see it. I don't see it sometimes because sometimes, you know, I get, I get angry, you know, I'm not, I'm human. My flesh is very weak and my spirit fights with it all the time. And sometimes I'm introverted, right? I can only have so many conversations with somebody before I'm, I'm tapped out. Like, I got to go before I start getting fussy. And so I was like, I don't know about that. And then I see it, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when I'm consoling some lady and she's upset and her husband's on our gurney and, and she's crying. I'm like, look, it's okay. And I'll just, or this other lady, her daughter got burned in a fire, a flash fire from a can of Pam that was left on the stove and wow. exploded. And, and she got some. Pretty significant third and second degree burns. Thankfully, no first degree burns. So there's no tissue damage or permanent tissue damage. And the mom was up front with me and she was in the back with my medic because she needed to push pain meds for her. And she's crying and she got on the phone and she's talking to her father or she's trying to get hold of her father. She couldn't. 
because she wanted to pray. And then she got the phone and said, hey, I'm not your dad, but I'll pray with you. And so I prayed with her right then and there on her way to the hospital. Wow. And uh, I don't know if it helped during that moment, but I felt better asking. Yeah. I mean, so it's interesting that you highlight that, Josh, because every day in some small way, we have an opportunity to make an impact in somebody's life, to make an impression, to point the way. And oftentimes we don't realize that that moment could have an eternal impact on that person's life, on their soul, mm. right? I mean, it's, it doesn't take much. Mm. It's oftentimes in the simplest, subtlest gesture, a word of encouragement, a moment to pray, the ministry of presence, just sitting with someone. Like I, there's been many times I've been trying to console someone and it's like everything I say doesn't really help. So I just sit there and just be present and listen if they want to say something. And oftentimes nothing's really said and they'll just say, thank you. Really? Hmm. Just that, just being there. I have had that thought impressed on me recently. Not about sitting and being quiet. That's not my forte. I mean, I can, I have the wherewithal, but I had a conversation with God and I said, you know, I don't really, I can't think of anything outstanding that I've done. I can't think of anything that when you come to judge, not me because Jesus has clothed me in his righteousness, but to judge my merits on earth to see that, Hey, look, you said this bad word. You said this filth. He said, I can think of a lot of things you're going to pick on me about. Right. But I like, I don't know who I all helped. Like, I don't know like what I did. And the thought occurred because this is how he usually gives me these good ideas is that I won't know nearly all of them because of the people I talked to, the people that I've, I've blessed without knowing that I've done it. Somebody that I held a door open for somebody who I said, Hey, are you, are you doing okay? And, and they weren't. And, you know, just that somebody noticed them, you know, things that I are, I'm oblivious to, hmm. right. I just see it. I comment on it. I say something, I encourage someone, I move on. I have no idea the lasting impact it had on that person. And so it was impressed on me that those are also going to be a lot of what's going to be summed up in it. It's not just the things that I think of, but a lot of the things I don't even remember, the things I don't consider that he saw and said, no, no, we're considering it. Hmm. Wow. Well said. I think we look for that impact. We look for those opportunities. We almost like hold our stuff up to the, the light to see like, is there any merit in this? Is there any value in this? Is there any worth in this? And I think it's because we all are creatures that hunger for meaning in our lives. And without that meaning, without hope, we go down the tubes very quickly. We go down that downward spiral, sometimes in a moment, sometimes in a couple of days, a few hours. It doesn't take long. Hmm. Human beings do not live very long without hope. We lose our sense of hope, our sense of meaning. You know, um, if we're not on the brink of not wanting to be alive anymore, we're cut off from the vine, so to speak, right? The, that life blood isn't flowing through us quite the same way with the spirit and not to get all super spiritual because we might be killing ourselves super slowly with things like drugs and alcohol or cigarettes or whatever it is, right? That happens to be our thorn in our flesh. And so when we are on course and in alignment with why God put us here, Josh, like God had something very specific in mind when he made you. Shelly, same thing. God had something very specific in mind when he made you. We all have a purpose. We were born with it. We were born into it. And it's always demonstrable of kind of who God created us to be, right? And, and when you're living and acting and moving in accord with that, of one mind with that, of, you know, your heart is convicted in that. What's cool is God sort of set us up for success because we all have gifts 
that are consistent with that calling, mm -hmm. that are consistent with that purpose, right? That it allows us to build up the body. It allows us to serve. I highly encourage you, if you're listening to this, to look up the spiritual gifts in the Bible. Sit with it. Figure out which gifts do you have that can empower your service, that can empower your profession, that can empower your relationships, that can empower your health, that can empower you to empower others, maybe, to help them reach their potential. Because God gave us the equipment that we needed already. We already have everything we need right now to make a difference right where we are, to make an impact right where you are, right now. And I think that's an encouraging word because oftentimes we can see our ultimate place. I'd love to be there. You know, I'd love to create that. I would love to be at this point in my life or at that point in my life. Or maybe it's regret. Maybe it's there's, there's a gap there. Oh, I wish I could have, would have, should have done this thing, right? But right now we have all that we need, truly. Yeah. Just Agreed. have to step out in faith, do something with it. And sometimes that's scary, right? Sometimes it's hard to take that faith and, you know, praise God that he saw that ahead of time as well too and said, I didn't make you timid beings. I, I gave you a spirit of boldness and of power and strength, right? Mm -hmm. So praise God that he thought of all the angles, all the things that we try to weasel out of. Like, sure. oh, I don't know, it's not my forte. It's like, too bad. <laughs> I, I empowered you. You have this. Mm -hmm. And and the more that you assume the mantle of the Christhood that what he's done for you, the easier it is to step out in that faith. The easier it is to just say, and just walk right off, you know? And, and I've had many an experience where I could have held my tongue through fear or, oh, this is not going to be taken well. And I'm like... Here it goes, because I don't care if it's taken well. I don't care if it's received well. I can judge by, I'm a pretty good judge of facial expressions that see if it hit home or not. And then I can tailor it after that point to, to, to drive it into where it needs to go. But it's not going anywhere if I don't put it out there. Hmm. And so I've had many a conversation and, and I like to startle people with conversation. I like to say something shocking to people because I find for me, it gets them to listen. And then once you're listening, I can hit it home and explain exactly what I mean. And sometimes I've offended some people and, and it's not my intent to leave them offended, but sometimes it's my offense to start them off that way, you know, to, to just really rile them up a little bit so that I love conflict. God has really built me for that. Instead of using it for evil, I use it for his goodness. Um, you know, when someone says something like, oh, I don't believe in Jesus or Christmas is, I'm like, oh, really? Well, I'm in it. Let's go. Let's talk. I'm ready. So the same thing is I'll rile someone up just to get them wanting to speak. I want to know what your opinion actually is. And then when I know it, I can actually fight those reservations. I'll know what it is I'm, I'm fighting. I know what you're holding back on. I know what you're being reserved about. And then I've never, never left a conversation with somebody mad at me that I've talked to about Jesus. Hmm. I've even had a person with gender dysmorphia in the back of my ambulance transferring for uh, suicidal ideations. And... At the end of the conversation, this person told me it's the longest conversation they had ever had with a Christian before and that they, they enjoyed the conversation. Wow. And I did the best I could to validate that they were people and validate that the feelings they felt were real, though not necessarily based on truth. And it morphed into talking about Jesus and talking about his kingdom. And, and it was a really pleasant conversation with this person who mm. was really excited to know a little bit more, who would not have done it any other way if I hadn't approached things the way I approach things. Well, we also talked about gifts of the spirit in episode four. 
for those of you who haven't heard it, go back and listen. We talk about the gift of healing that Josh seems to have because I was healed of over a decade of pain. Nathan was healed from things. And it's just, I think it's a good episode. And you work in EMS. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that, so, you know, it's interesting because Shelly, I think I might've shared this with you before kind of the idea of the podcast came along. It was like, I think it's uh, Proverbs eighteen sixteen, I believe. But uh, a person's gift makes a way for them. And some translations read it, a person's gift will bring them before kings, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's what is that stroke of excellence about what we do. And I think it's overlooked often because people don't realize that they have it. If it's truly a gift, then you you kind of do it and use it unconsciously. Mm-hmm. And enjoy it. And enjoy it, right? There's joy in it. It's oftentimes it'll bear fruit. It has an effect. It has a, a lasting result that comes from it. I'm hoping that for this. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> just by virtue of the fact and, and you know, um, early on, of course, I wanted to encourage you to keep going, right? But when I realize this thing has a momentum of its own, it just is going, right? And, and that's because you're in your gifts with it and you're blessing others with it. And God will prosper that, right? It doesn't have to come from solely from your effort. It requires your participation, it requires us to work together, right? To make it happen, mm-hmm. to deliver, you know, to drive it where it needs to go, right? As Josh said earlier, but it's hardly 50-50. I mean, it's something more like 90 God, 10 us, you know, mm-hmm. really, truly. It's like he can bless every step, every act, every word, every gesture mm-hmm. with what we do. Thank goodness for that. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for uh, being a part of this today. And for the first time I get to meet you, I've heard about you a lot. She speaks very highly of you. So it's finally nice to see a face to go along with the hype. Yeah, well, I don't know about hype, but that, no, no, it's thank hype. you. It's from her, it's hype. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> She's the hype girl. No, I, I, I'm really grateful to be a part of this with you. It's an honor and it's really cool. I mean, a few things bring me as much joy in life to see an idea come to fruition. And I think because everybody has at least one great idea locked up inside of them, right? And so much of the work that I do is aimed at like, how can I draw that out? Mm-hmm. You know, Proverbs 20 verse 5 says uh, different translations read differently but the one i like is purposes or the purpose lies deep in the mind it's like deep water right but a person of understanding will draw it out Mm. so i try to help people to unlock their mind so they can really unleash their faith and i'm in the business world so in the marketplace but whether it's in the marketplace or whether it's in your church community or whether it's you know serving underserved communities whatever it is that the lord is putting on your heart to do you've been equipped for it, right? So drawing out that purpose, drawing out that direction and igniting their passion to get them going, right, is is what I love to do. So seeing that the podcast has come to life, you know, seeing that it's it's got momentum, it's so, so meaningful and so wonderful to see. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part of it and joining us today. And if this episode has been a blessing to you, we pray that you pass it on to others so it can be a blessing. And also we have a fundraising campaign to help with the expenses of audio editing. And if you look up giftsengo.com, you can look up God's Goodness Podcast and you can donate there. And we appreciate that. And we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.